to episode 19 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're going to be talking the second story from season 2, episode 1. It is Miss Lovecraft Sent Me. Now if you've been listening to the, uh, the podcast, you'll know I've been building up quite a lot to my biggest bugbear of the show. The, uh, the very short, Jack Laird scripted, um, jokey little filler stories that litter season 2. Um, there's 14 of them in total, so it's not as bad as people sometimes make out, but there's two in this episode, and they are brutally awful at times. Um, so, let's get a start. Um, first of all, it's 3 minutes 32, so this podcast is going to get a lot, a lot longer than the actual story itself. Um, written by Laird, the uh, executive producer. This is his writing debut for the show. It's directed by Gene Kearney, who um, directed the worst story from from season one, Nature of the Enemy, the one with the giant killer mouse on on Mar- on, on the moon, I should say. Um, the first thing you'll notice is there is no sailing intro. Now, the reason for that, and it's you know, is because basically the intros were done in big batches. And these rushed uh, story fillers are, um, in fact, were done just basically to pad out the, the length of the story. Laird's idea was that he'd give the, uh, the production crews for each story complete freedom. He wouldn't extend that freedom to the scriptwriters, he would always try and rewrite stuff, but when it actually came to directing the things, he, he wouldn't get that involved with it. Um, so what that left was, in this case, uh, Borgus Weems and uh, Boy Predicted Earthquakes were too short. So, very quickly they got together what they could and um, Laird bashed out a very quick script and this is what we have. The story is about a vampire that answers the door to a, a chewing gum chewing uh, babysitter called Betsy who's there, she says, because Miss Lovecraft sent her. Now obviously, there's two things here I'll say from a critical point of view. Um, one is it's an indication of Laird's love for uh, classic traditional horror motifs, the vampire, the haunted house, the, well, you know, like that kind of old world, roaring fires, stone walls, uh, Poe-like. But also, um, the Miss Lovecraft line obviously in relation to H.P. Lovecraft, the uh, the classic writer. Um, anyway, the uh, babysitter is uh, is there, but uh, she's warned that the uh, the boy that she's going to look after can be difficult. But that's not really what's concerning Betsy. What's on her mind is the fact that our vampire blatantly has no reflection, is always backed by Sunnel, Dogs a lot like this, and there's also, um, well, his books on the wall are about Satan, about devil worship, about eating people. And uh, although he says it's a, do- uh, a a boy that she's looking after, it sounds suspiciously like it's a dog. Unsurprisingly, she legs it. That's the end of the story. I'll say a few things about this straight off the bat. One, it's not funny, and two, it's very, very cheesy. Um, it is well, the story is a problem for reviewers. It's a problem for the audience. 
as I've said in the past, NBC weren't fans of this either, really, to be fair. Jack Laird loved them. He thought they were great ideas. Um, and it's very much his show. It's so much he was in charge. It was, he was in control of what was going to go down. Um, basically, I mean, well, let's put it this way. If we go to... Imagine this. You're, um, you're Rod Sterling, and you are settling down to watch a show. You know there's trouble. You know you're not going on particularly well with uh, with Laird. You're not, you're basically, you're not, phone calls aren't getting answered. People aren't talking to you. This has already started now, because uh, films, films have been done. Um, there is a bit, there's an element of civility. I mean, you know, um, uh, the day before it was uh, aired, Laird sent a, um, an email, well, <laughs> telegraph message to, uh, to Sterling saying, you know, break a leg, but you're so accommodating. You go ahead and do it. So instead, good luck tonight. Jack Laird. Now September 15th, so it's just before it came out. Um, <laughs> Sterling actually thought that the uh, the, the episode one run order was going to be Class of 99, A Death in the Family, and then Witch's Feast as a filler at the end. Um, I don't think it's any real surprise that only a month after this has been aired, Laird says the following to, uh, well, it's to the Los Angeles Herald Examiner. So he makes his, uh, his opinions voice very clear. It's spotty and inconsistent. I'm delighted to finally have a show that's doing so well in the ratings. I wish I could be as delighted over the quality. Values are so distorted now. Money so tight. It would be so much better to use the cash improving the quality of the show instead of frittering it away on name guests. Bearing in mind, this has got uh, Campanella in. Sometimes I even have to battle over my own rewrites. But I understand NBC's problems. They probably don't need another ch uh, chef in the production broth. And I'm such an insane perfectionist, I could drive us all nuts. Still, it's hard to remain detached. The show goes on air as Rod Serling's night gallery, and when a segment's, ba segment's bad, it's my reputation that's at stake. So, yeah. That will be the first time he saw it, and um, his, his response is, is, is fu pretty furious, to be fair to him. I mean, it ha this has to be what he's talking about. If not this particular uh, filler, then certainly a lot of the others. It's an indication exactly the control Laird had. He was, you know, it said Rod Serling's name at the top of shot, but straight afterwards it said executive producer Jack Laird. He's quoted as saying that he's the only person who knows what makes a night gallery story. Now what I'd say is this story, and also for that matter, Phantom of What Opera, which uh, closes this off, is an indication that I must disagree. Uh, Joseph Campanella, anyway, um, a big name, uh, said he had great fun doing it. He was told that uh, he couldn't camp it up enough, and the result of that is he's ludicrously campy. I mean, he has ridiculous Halloween get-up outfit, uh, blue face, um, like a, a, a widow's peak, and again, his voice is very much, you know, I want to drink your blood. It's it's cheese ball. It really is cheese ball. Anyway, it's, you know, obviously it was a short production, and people seemed to have fun while they were making it. Um, Campanella, for example, said, 
At that point, I had four boys, aged four, five, and six, and the youngest was Nick, who was one and a half. Of course, they were big with vampires and monsters and Halloween makeup, things like that. When they heard I was going to play Dracula, they wanted to come to the set. And oh, they were having a ball. Except for my 18-month-old Nick, who wouldn't come near me. Nick, it's me. It's Daddy. Remember me? Daddy. Come on, you recognise my voice. I just have makeup on, and the teeth are fake. I started to bend towards him to kiss him, and he bopped me on the nose with his fist. I mean, he gave me a real shot. Um, the payoff line on the review in um, Rod's Zone Night Gallery, an after hours tour, which is Scott Skelton and Jim Benson. Um, it's a really, it's a really good uh, resource if you haven't got it. Uh, I have to use it for a lot of my research simply because there isn't um, a lot else written about the show and obviously now people are dying as well so I don't think there's going to be a lot more um, they say uh, perhaps Nick should have saved his roundhouse for the script's author Jack Laird which is about as barbed as they get to be fair um, as well well I mean this is turning into a bit of a kicking session but we might as well <laughs> go over to well Tom, the uh, the host of the Twilight Zone podcast, uh, sent an email in, uh, giving his opinions on it. Um, I'll just read it out. It's probably best if it just comes straight from him. Hi, Chris. I don't. I didn't think I'd be uh, sending in feedback again so soon, but after watching Miss Lovecraft sent me, I just had to. First of all, without getting ahead of the podcast, I think the first three big stories of season two have been great to start. Uh, starting with the boy who predicted earthquakes. I enjoyed season 1 but found it a little patchy, but without knowing how the rest of season 2 will progress, here it seems like Night Gallery has hit its stride. I would say it has by the way, Tom, but uh, we'll continue. And then there's Miss Lovecraft sent me. My jaw almost hit the floor. You'd, all, you'd already kind of prepared me for this, but I really didn't imagine it would be as bad as it was. I've only seen two of these segments so far, and I suppose like you said, in isolation, they're okay. Very mildly amusing at least. And if they were part of some 70s comedy show, I might not judge them so harshly. The thing is, they're in Night Gallery, a show that's going for a definite vibe, and, the, and these just totally destroy that. I can't conceive how nobody at the time, apart from Sailing, thought they were a terrible idea. Did nobody take Jack Laird to one side and say, Sorry Jack, but these just don't fit. It's very telling that Sailing doesn't introduce these segments, I, and who would blame him? Anyway, I suppose with the advent of DVD, it's easy, it's easy to pass these segments by. And apart from watching them so I can keep up with the podcast, I know I'll never watch them again. But my heart does go out to Rod Serling. How awful to see your show compromised in this way. Um, Tom. And I think that's very fair. I mean, my honest opinion is, the, in actual fact, they probably actually kept these stories away from Serling until, until the day they, uh, they went on, uh, on air. Um, that's only my opinion. But certainly you've seen his response to them, uh, his response to the way the show was going, almost immediately. And that's very disappointing. Um, also, just to give you some uh, housekeeping, um, thanks to uh, MassyPag999, uh, who left a message on the US iTunes a review, five stars. Very kind of you. You've been, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the podcast. And obviously, as a fan of the show, uh, We've got a group to get stick together through this. Um, so thanks very much. I mean, it's really kind of you to write that for me. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, hopefully the sound quality now will improve. I've got new kits. I've been playing around. Um, there's obviously there's been a week absence between 
now and the last podcast. That was partly because uh, when I listened back to it, I was actually so shocked at how poor quality it was in terms of hiss and oh, it sounded like I was doing it in a cave. Um, so I bought some new equipment. So this sounds a bit different. Um, I'm still going to be playing around, trying to get it right. It's still not perfect, but it's a lot better than what it was. In truth, I think this is actually listenable to now, which is a flipping start. Um, anyway, uh, thanks as always to Tom. Thanks for your feedback. That's really good. Um, I feel almost like apologetic for having to introduce you to these little bits that come through. Um, as I said, there's only 14 of them, so they don't dominate as much as you think they do. Uh, but they, they are just such big breakers in the middle of the shows that it's understandable why you'd be a bit like, oh god, another one of these is coming. Um, the blank you can see him from a mile away because he always have things like, you know, really clanging like Vampire or Phantom the Opera or Werewolf in the title, that kind of thing. All like real universal big tips of the air. Uh, anyway, next week uh, we are going to be dealing with the Hand of Borgus Weems, um, which is a bit different. It's uh, I quite like it. Uh, again, I was talking about the uh, the After Hours tour, but they're not so keen on that story. Uh, but I think I think a lot of people do enjoy it. I mean, I really like it. So we'll go to that next week. Um, so I'll try and get both both sides of the argument about why it's good and why some people dislike it. It's quite so much. Um, Thanks to uh, the Night Gary uh, Twitter feed, who is a great bastion of the show, uh, an ambassador almost, getting people involved, getting people talking, uh, pushing people who are chatting about Night Gary towards what I'm doing. Uh, thanks, I just hope I can uh, get the quality as high as I want and make sure it's a really good show for everybody, something everyone enjoys. If you want to get hold of me, I am on Twitter at orange underscore monkey. Uh, and occasionally, occasionally frequent the um, the UK Twilight Zone um, forum. Um, the best way to get to that, well, I can't remember the top of my head what the uh, URL is for starters. So, best way to get to that is through our own website, DimensionXRadio.com. There you can find obviously this podcast, uh, Twilight Zone podcast, which is Tom's. Also, uh, copies of uh, Dimension X Radio and X-1 which will be coming once the Dimension X series has, has run its course uh, and also Suspense um, I've been really enjoying like revisiting these shows again I mean for me Suspense is something I've always dipped in and out of uh, I, t- I know it's going to be quite patchy uh, but when it's good it's very good whereas Dimension X is just consistently brilliant and uh, surprising how dark some of these stories actually are uh, anyway I will uh, speak to you next week for Hand of Borgus Weems.